You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. On Sunday, we started to look at Joseph and the hatred that he grew up or he found himself in. And we were reminding ourselves that as Christians, we must never be surprised that the world hates us. The world would hate us because we are not of the world. Praise the Lord. We are not of this world. Our citizenship is from heaven. The world would hate us because the world hated our Lord and Savior Jesus. And the Bible says it is sufficient for a student to be as his teacher. So if the teacher, the master was hated, the one whom the Bible says the prince of this world comes and found nothing in him. If he hated him, what of us that have our own little issues here and there? You know, causing provocations and irritations here and there. So the world would hate us. But the good news is that the Lord loves us. Praise the Lord. The Father loves us. And because of the love the Father has for us, we are actually guaranteed. There is a guarantee that we should succeed. Praise the Lord. There is a guarantee that... Because of the love of the Father, the Bible says all things, and we know that what? All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Interestingly, note that that scripture doesn't say all things work together for the good of those that God loves. Because the truth is that God loves everybody. But we have learned here that the circuit is not complete until we do what? We love him back. And that is where the key is. That's what I believe the lesson for me on Sunday was. For me, I don't know what it was for you. That Joseph was able to remain in God's love. He was able to abide in that love. And because he abode, abided, and did abide in that love, we could see the plan of God come to fulfillment in his life. Praise the Lord. And my prayer is that your life will become a witness of the beauty, the majesty, the love of God, which he has loved you with. You will love him back, and you will be a testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. There's a song that says, my life is what? A testimony. You will sing that song in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we have those things written for us, and we said to to ourselves that the things which we are written, we are written, or rather the things that happened to them, happened as examples. And then they were written for our what? Instruction. So we should learn lessons from those things. This evening we're going to move a bit in a step further, the same Joseph. And we're going to come to the conclusion, you know, towards the conclusion of his life. Come with me to Genesis 45. And I'll read quickly. Genesis 45, I'll read from verse 1. The Bible says, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Praise the Lord. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to do what? To preserve life. For God, let's read that part again. For God sent me before you to preserve life. God has called you and I, and we are sent to preserve life, and we shall accomplish that in Jesus' name. Verse 6 goes on, he says, For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 8. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house. 
and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. We, we may actually stop here. Praise the Lord. We find in the story of Joseph a lot of lessons. If, I mean, for those who don't attend Get Connected, I will encourage you. It's always a blessing. Our brother that was sharing this afternoon was reminding us of the, will I call it the perspective or the revelation of Joseph. That Joseph, in as much as Egypt was such a testimony, which we are going to come to, in as much as he was great in Egypt, Joseph, in a sense, despised Egypt because he said to them, not even my bones should be left in Egypt, which meant Joseph embraced the account his father told him of the promise that was made to his great-grandfather Abraham, that God is going to visit you people and bring you out to your own land. So as long as Joseph was in Egypt, he knew that was not the promise. And the prosperity, the glory, the splendor he had in Egypt did not capture his heart. What captured his heart was the promise of God. Praise the Lord. Now, that is a very important lesson to hold on to. Because we live in a time where, like I mentioned on Sunday, I overheard someone say the the anointing of Joseph. And then I've heard a lot of people talk about the anointing of prosperity of Joseph. But you can see that if you ask Joseph, Joseph, what is your testimony? He wouldn't say he was anointed for prosperity. But you, you know what Joseph was anointed for? It sounds similar. He was anointed to preserve what? A posterity. They sound similar. And that is where the deviation between genuine Christianity and the Christianity that this world has, you know, uh, diluted and the enemy has crept in. When you listen to a lot of messages and what we present from the church in this time, it is presenting to people what they will need to thrive in Egypt and be great in Egypt. But the genuine word of God is teaching people what they need to preserve a posterity beyond Egypt. Praise the Lord. They are very similar because if Joseph was not who he was, he would not be able to bring in his family. And they wouldn't be able to have that favor. But you see, that was not his essence. So the prosperity was a means to what? An end. It was not an end. And as long as you understand that, you will prosper. That is the truth. If you understand that as a Christian, your prosperity, your success, your well-being, your excelling in school, your excelling at work and all of that is a means to an end, you're going to make a very fruitful work of your faith. But if you're carried away with the way it's taught in this time, where testimonies of believers ends in what it is that the unbeliever shares as well, then you're going to have a bit of a problem. Because the Bible makes us understand that you and I are called to a call that is a high call. Praise the Lord. We don't just have a call. It's a high what? Call. The Apostle Paul says, I forget the things which are behind. I press forward what? To the mark of the high call which we have in Christ Jesus. So we're not just called. Everybody has an assignment. Every doctor is supposed to be a good doctor. Praise the Lord. Every accountant is supposed to be a good accountant. Every father should do some things that fathers should do. But the Christian is called beyond this level. And that is what we see in Joseph. And this evening we want to learn a few lessons and, you know, reconfigure our mind and sharpen our desires in the name of Jesus. So the lesson, the key lesson from Joseph is not the prosperity. He prospered. He became Lord. He said here he was father to Pharaoh. That is a place where anybody will want to be. Praise the Lord. He was father to Pharaoh. He called the shots in Egypt. But that was not it. He said, God sent me. What? To do what? To preserve a posterity. In verse 5, he says, God sent me before you to do what? To preserve life. And we learned here at the beginning of COVID, this whole COVID thing, that we are seeing that life is not in the abundance of things men possess, isn't it? We saw that traveling, having, and all of that was not life. There was something superior, and that is what Joseph is talking about. And tonight, we want to go in and see how it is. However, we want to make a point here, that prosperity, you know, unfortunately, shouldn't be a subject or a topic of much emphasis amongst believers. You know why? Our anointing is too high 
that prosperity should not give us, you know, a sleepless night. Even though it does, but I'm going to help you to see what I'm trying to say. You see, the truth of the matter is this. If you've lived in this world long enough, you know that any fool can prosper. Do you know that? And if any fool can prosper, it should actually be a bit annoying to you that you're not very prosperous. But that's not the lesson. Any fool can prosper. So prosperity is not a measure of success. I'm going to give you two examples so that it won't be what the pastor said. It will be what the Bible said. In 1 Samuel 25, verse 2. 1 Samuel 25, verse 2 and 3. The Bible says there was a man in man whose business was in Carmel. And the man was what? Read with me. Was very what? Rich. This man was very rich. He said he had what? 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Look at verse 3. Verse 3. It says, the name of the man was what? Nabal. Come to 25. Let's see who this man really is. This is what the wife says about verse 25, about this man. He says, please, let not my Lord regard this who? Scoundrel, Nabal. For as his name is, so what is he? He said, Nabal is his name. And what? Foley is with him. Give us any other translation. So we see what, it, what this man is. He says, don't dwell on... On what that brute Nabal did. He asked out the meaning of his name. Nabal, what? Fool. He says foolishness oozes from him. Now, as you see this, I want you to see verse 2. He was very rich. Now, unfortunately, in our time, we equate wealth or riches with wisdom. But you see that it has no, it doesn't correspond. This man was very rich. The same way the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs or Isaiah Ecclesiastes about a city that had what? A poor wise man who saved the whole city. Yet because of his poverty, he was not regarded. Are you getting what I'm saying? The essence is this, to de-emphasize the emphasis. I think someone was telling me that people use prosperity to invite people to church. If you come to my church, God will prosper you. You can see that that church, you know, I mean, let me not say that, but that is not a basis because fools prosper. That is Old Testament. Let me show you New Testament before we move on. In New Testament, Luke 12, please. Luke 12, verse 16 to 21. The Bible tells us about another man. He said he spoke a parable to them saying the ground of a certain what? Rich man yielded plentifully. This man was rich and was getting richer. Continue. And he says what? He thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? I have, what, no room to store my crop. This means he had multiple breakthroughs. Okay? Go on and on. Maybe when you go home, you read it. 20, God said, fool, this night your soul, what, will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have, what, provided? What did God call this man? Fool. But God also called him rich. Is someone getting what I'm saying? So, may prosperity never be your goal. Because fools prosper. You don't, want to, you don't want to be a billionaire. Recently, I saw something, you may have seen it, that um, the owner of Amazon, Bezos, or whatever his name is, he said they had calculated that if somebody started earning 180000 from zero, zero, that's from the beginning of the millennium, 2,000 years ago, the person would not earn as much money as he has. $180,000 a day. I mean, it's mind-blowing. But you see, if after all of that, this man misses what we are going to learn tonight, he will end up what? With that title. And we'll pray he will not miss it in Jesus' name. Because Jesus loves him and died for him. Okay, so the lesson from Joseph is not his prosperity, but what? His preservation of a posterity. And do you know what? The moment you're born again and the Spirit of God comes inside of you, that is the call that you and I have. The Bible says to us in Romans 8, 28. And that is why that scripture is there. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things do what? Work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, looking at the story of Joseph, isn't that a classical case of what? All things working together for his good. And that's why he said to his brothers, don't feel bad, don't feel bad. You sold me quite all right. You hated me quite all right. You wanted me dead quite all right. But see, the differentiating factor was that word, I had a purpose. And everything you did, even though you intended it against me, 
was converted by the supreme God, the almighty God, the sovereign God to do, to work for my good. Praise the Lord. So this scripture says that now go to verse 29. Let's see what the scripture begins to tell us. 29 and 30. Give it to us together. So it says, for whom would he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also what? Called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. What we see here from 28, 29, and 30 is that God has a plan for each and every one of us. Praise the Lord. There is a divine plan. There is a heaven's agenda for my life, for your life. Now we see in Joseph, and we see his own play out. That the prophecy that God gave to Abraham was dependent on Joseph. That Joseph, as Joseph goes through him, that prophecy will come to fulfillment. Now, in the same way as you and I are here today, there are words, there are plans and purposes in God's agenda that is dependent on you. Somebody say amen. Yes, it's dependent on you. And that plan and purpose is what we are learning now. It's beyond my so-called prosperity. It's beyond what you see around me. Actually, there are a lot of people who fulfill their destinies without attaining the success or the fame of Joseph. We're going to see that as we go on if time permits us. So we see here that God is very clear. In Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 20 and 21. The Bible makes us understand. It says, now to him who is able to do what? Exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. Look at verse 21. It says to him be what? Glory in the church by Christ Jesus. What? To all generations forever and ever. Now let me help. Let's have a key here. Everything and anything that is important to God is transgenerational. Praise the Lord. When, when you can truly know that you are an instrument in God's hands, is when God begins to do things with you and through you that is beyond your generation. The Bible says of David, it says David served his own what? Generation according to the will of God and he slept. But after he slept, people were claiming him. When the son of God came, what did he call himself? Son of David. Why? Because this man so fitted into the agenda of God that he became a conduit pipe for the purpose and plan of God to prosper. We are seeing in Romans 8.29 that God has a divine plan. Let's read the Living Bible 21. It says, may he be given glory forever and ever through what? Endless ages because of what? His master plan. God said to tell the people listening to me today, I have a master plan. And the success of the Christian is to the extent you fit into that master plan. You can fit into that master plan and your generation will pass. They will not know you. But as the testimonies, records are open, it will be seen that you prayed something to pass. You brought something down. You downloaded something. By your obedience, something happened. That is what the Christian pursues. And that's why Joseph said to them, take my bones with you. I want to be part of that generation that will do what? That will exit this land and make it to the promised land. Do you know that many people who lived and survived, or rather who were witnesses to the exodus, who were witnesses to the deliverance of, of the children of Israel, the Jews, physically from Egypt, okay, did not make it to the promised land. You should know that now. God said all these men who had seen my power, and did not believe they are going to die in the wilderness. But Joseph, who lived almost 400 years before, his bones made it. Is somebody getting what we are talking about? That is revelation. And that is what I want you to get. This man, they saw the ten plagues. Or rather, yes, the ten plagues. They had the silver. They had the gold. They crossed the Red Sea. They ate the manna. But yet, their physical body never entered. Their bones didn't enter. Nothing entered. But Joseph, who died... 400 years about before them, his own bones made it. Say you will make it in the name of Jesus Christ. So it's not the noise that I make today. It's how much my life, how much my steps, how much I fit into what heaven is doing in my time. There's a long thread of what God is working. 
From the time before, from Abraham, from the creation of the world, God is working on something. And that every day, every generation, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are what? They are running to and fro over the whole earth, searching for men and women whose hearts are what? Loyal, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. God is looking for men to use. Not necessarily men to advertise. There are two different things. A lot of people are being advertised, but they're not being used. I'm going to show you scripture. How many of us know that Solomon became so popular? That the Bible said, come with me to um, 2 Chronicles 9. 2 Chronicles 9, 21. Give me 21 and 22. Okay, for the kingship went to Tarshish with the servants of Hiram once every three years. The merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. 22 says, so, let's read to so King Solomon did what? Surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. If that isn't popularity and fame and notoriety, I don't know what you call it. But back up, back up to verse 15. Let's see what verse 15 said. 15 says, begins to tell us what some of the things he did. He says, and King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of hammered gold went into its shield. This is how weighty it was. If you read down, he said he also made 300 shields of hammered gold. This is just talking about his prosperity. And it's intimidating to the extent that he became the richest, the greatest. Now, go to uh, three chapters forward. Second Chronicles 12, three chapters forward. Nine to ten. It says, let's read together. It says, so Shekah, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. And what did he do? Let's read. And what? And took away the treasures of the house of the Lord, the treasures of the king's houses. He took what? Everything. Everything. He also carried away the gold shields which Solomon had made. So everything Solomon did, his greatness evaporated in less than three chapters. That is what worldly success can do. From his kingdom, they began to divide the heritage of David. But he was great. He was rich. He was successful. What is the lesson there? I'm going to tell you what the lesson is. The greatness of Joseph was not because so much, so much, let, let me not say because, was not so much because of the anointing. The anointing was on him. Just as you know that the anointing was on Solomon. Praise the Lord. And the anointing was on Samson. Okay? But the greatness of Joseph was his sanctification. To the extent a man is not sanctified, that is how short his fame, his popularity, his influence will last. Brethren, Christianity is not a joke. Listen, there is a pattern. Jesus Christ is the pattern. And that is why in Ephesians we are being told that the whole thing, the pastors and the ministers, the apostles, the gifts of the teachers and, you know, the evangelists, is to bring you what? To the fullness of the stature of the knowledge of Christ. See, we all come to that man to look like him. The extent to which you look like Christ is the extent to which your work will last. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? So you look at Solomon now. Can somebody point to me four things that is in Solomon that looks like Christ? Two, three, one. Okay, let's leave it. What about Samson? I'm, I'm going to read Samson to you as well. Okay, we may not read it. We all know the story of Samson. He's very well known. Samson was a man anointed by the Almighty with power that, I mean, doesn't make sense. He, he was, I don't know what to equate him with, not bulldozer. He was stronger than a bulldozer. Praise the Lord. That's how strong Samson was. But what happened to him? The Philistines got his eyes out without a fight. Without a fight. He put his head on the laps of Delilah and slept up. And the lady just, you know, cut off the head. And that's how useless he became. This is a man that the Bible said, you are chosen to begin what? To cause the deliverance of the children of Israel from the Philistines. But because there was no Christ-likeness in Samson, the anointing was wasted. Child of God, every time you wake up as a Christian, pursue more of his nature than his power. You know, it can be very exciting when a preacher comes and starts saying, the power, the power, the power. The power is distributed at will. 
But the nature is fruit bearing. And that is why Jesus said, unless you as the branch is connected to the vine, you will bear no fruit. And that fruit is not necessarily exploits. That fruit is you look like me. So when the Bible records Joseph's life for us, Joseph is a man, a boy, who we could see in his life a pattern that showed us Christ-like virtues. And that was what made him to be able to preserve life. Because it is Christ in you that is what? The hope of glory. It is to the extent that Christ, I can come here and wow everybody with oratory skills. But if there is no Christ in me, there will be no transformation in you. That is the power. And that is what the devil fights. The devil does not fight noise. The devil does not fight sensationalism. That's why he will even give people power to do that. If you start calling people up now and they start somersaulting and start doing like this, the devil will support you. He will send you ushers. Because that does not amount to anything. When all that is done, it ends. Everybody goes and continues their life. But when the nature of Christ is being imparted to people, the devil is in trouble. Because anywhere there is a Christ, the anointing is there. And wherever that anointing of Christ is there, the devil's works have been destroyed. And that is the master plan that we are told about. That is what will save lives. That was what will save a generation. And that's what has brought, you know, the death of the church in many nations and in many moves. Because they get to a stage where they leave the pursuit of the nature of Christ. And they begin to look at the, you know, gifts, you know, the things that accompany this. There's nothing wrong with prosperity. There's nothing wrong with justice. There's nothing wrong with all of that. But they don't give life. So Joseph's life was a pattern. To show to us, this man, because of him, God could save his whole family. It wasn't because, you know, when people say the anointing of Joseph, which anointing did he have? The dreams he had, did he have an interpretation? He just had the dream. The interpretation he gave was as a follow-up to the fruit of the Spirit. We've learned it here. If you want, you see, many of us may never open blind eyes, but you can love the unlovable. You can humble yourself in situations. What Joseph did, the power of what Joseph did was that a prisoner, unjust prisoner, will love a fellow prisoner. That is the power you should pursue. I get what I'm saying. The moment he went loving them, the Holy Spirit had to back him up. The Spirit of God backed him up and granted him interpretation. We never heard that he had the gift of interpretation of dreams. But what he needed was in that situation, could he dissociate his personal problems, his personal emotions, his pain and his hurt and the injustice done to him? Could he take it away and still in that place diffuse the fragrance of Christ? The moment he did that, the power came. So if I want to teach you about what the transformation Joseph had, then I should teach you on being selfless. On being Christ-like, on being untouched by the current circumstances and situations you're going through. About seeing yourself as a citizen of heaven. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. The apostle Paul says, though Paul what? Making many rich. It's not Paul lamenting and complaining and threatening God. If you don't answer me to that, I'll backslide. No, this boy knew, this boy Joseph knew that he carried something. And that's what I want you to get tonight. You're a believer, you carry something. The agenda, and that's my passion for this nation. That you and I will be men and women that by us, deliverance will come to a nation. It's not about occupying a big office. It's not about having a big job. It's not about having a lot of money. Look at all the Christians are well in Nigeria. But how has that imparted Christianity? Rather, we're attracting more scorn, more derision, more hatred now than ever before. Isn't it better that we are still called church rat and there was respect? All our prosperity, has it brought respect? Many years ago, I wanted to drop the title, Pastor, but I think I'll still hold it because God will need a witness. Because once you say Pastor, you lose credibility. Even born again now. Once you say born again, you lose credibility because born agains are the ones who take jobs as artisans and disappear. As tailors, they will disappoint you, they will lie to you, they will tell you stories. Everywhere. So we see Joseph here entering into a revelation that it's not about me. And my goal is to be like Christ. And as long as he pursued that goal, I've said it here, I still wonder what went on in his head. How could he be a good houseboy? 
But the Bible tells us in Philippians 2 how it happened. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who though being what? In the form of God. Did not consider robbery to be equal with God. Being found in appearance as a man, he did what? He hum- this boy was an Ijebota, but being found as a slave, what did he do? He humbled himself. He humbled himself. And became an obedient slave. And served in that house like though slavery was an attainment. That's the only way you can become head. You see, there is a difference. Someone has said, I read somewhere, I don't know if you've seen. Someone said there is a difference between obedience and submission. You can obey unwillingly by compulsion. You know slaves obey, they are compelled to obey. But when you submit, you put an attitude, I do this, it is right. I believe when Joseph found himself in that situation, he said to himself, I must glorify God in this place. He wasn't an unwilling slave. He was a slave that said, this is the time and this is where God has put me. I will honor God. Doesn't the Bible say that we that are saints, Christians, we should serve our masters in the flesh as what? As to Christ. I pray you will bring back that testimony for me. Let your boss call me and say, Pastor, that your church member is wonderful. That is what it's about. It's not about you go to the office and you're claiming and claiming and claiming. You claim the nature of Christ, the promotion, the increase is his business. Praise the Lord, somebody. So Joseph had that revelation. He also had the revelation that sanctity, sanctification, holiness is necessary. I think I've said it here. I said as essential, let me repeat please, just in case someone didn't get it. As essential and incontrovertible, the necessity of anointing or divine empowerment is for accomplishing our God-given purposes is. Without sanctification or holiness, the Christian may do, unquote, much, but in the divine scheme of things, accomplish little or nothing. It's sanctification that makes your produce what God can use. I was reading about, um, I think it's zebras. Zebras, okay? And they said that when zebras mate, because the males... Okay, let me put it this way. Zebras are one of the few animals that have a personal DNA test facility. So when zebra females have babies, the zebra males are able to test and know whether these babies are theirs. And they said that the way why this thing happens is that Oftentimes, after a zebra male has, you know, coupled with a female, the female may couple with other zebras. And then when they have the child, the male wants to be sure that this one is what? His own produce. And they said when they do that paternity test, they say there's a scent they check for. If that scent is not there, they know it's not their child, even though it was brought forth by their own female. You know what they do? They kill that baby. They mash it to pieces. They say the way the lion does its own. Lions do similar, but theirs is a bit different. They say the lions, in the process of coupling, that their thing enters in there and flushes out the female side so that there is no other semen inside, so that when they bring forth, they know it's their own that bring it forth. And you think it's God that will make do with anything. That's why holiness is important. Sanctification. That's why Joseph had to be tested. People of God... God is omnipotent. Every test you're passing through, God permitted it. We have made, we have ascribed too much power to enemies. The enemy did this, the enemy did this. The enemy can do but he's restrained. The, every challenge he brings my way, every obstacle he throws my way, God looked at it and said, my son, you can handle this. My daughter, you can shine through this. And that's what we need to understand. And then in that test, as we set ourselves and honor him, he will say, this one, I can bring forth something through him. That was what happened with Joseph. God said, this one, I will bring forth something through him. And even though the journey is not straightforward, those are some of the things we must acquaint ourselves with. The journey is not straightforward. You can imagine the delight of Joseph when he got promoted to be the head servant. I believe that it must have brought him some ease. Praise God. He must have brought him some comfort. He was now the supervisor. He wasn't the one actually doing the work. So he'd probably be going with his notebook, cross-checking everything. And in fact, the word used there is that he actually became the manager of the house. So like a chief of staff. That's what he became. But now imagine in that position the things, benefits he was enjoying there. Imagine what the consideration that he must have thought of. If I do not compromise with this woman, I'm going to lose all of this. That was a test. But you see, when your purpose is to preserve a posterity, your life is not too much to be a seed. 
When you know your calling is to preserve a posterity, then you're ready. And you see, I don't know why this thing is such a big deal because people die for less things. How many of us know about mining? People go thousands of meters into the ground to get a diamond, to mine coal, to mine all kinds of things. And they know people die there. But they're doing it to earn an income. Do you know how many careers, whatever people engage in, that have risk of life? Brother, you've joined the military. You sign undertaking. Your life belongs to the Nigerian. They can send you anywhere. I was listening to the advertisement they were doing for um, fresh uh, enrollments into the Nigerian army. And they told them clear, you know, clear and clear. Clear and what again do they say? Clear and plain. They told them clear and plain that when you are engaged, you're going to be posted to the theater of war in the Northeast. I said, that's mean. Why don't you allow them, when you engage them, you tell them where they're going to go to. But they told them they're going to be sent to Sambisa. And people are applying and over apply. So if people are going to expose themselves to earn monthly income from Nigerian government, which I don't know how much it is, you may probably not pay your NEPA you know, utility for the month. Why should it be difficult for you to commit your life for something that for eternity, when the story is being told, when children gather in heaven, they will say in so-so time, in the year 2020, in Nigeria, when heaven needed somebody, brother so-so, sister so-so, raised his hand, surrendered her life, or surrendered her privileges, and became a vessel through which the Lord worked. Why don't you say, Lord, use me? That's what Joseph did. Joseph realized that this whole thing might be over. Because I'm running naked, you know, and he's a Jewish boy running naked, and this madam is so angry, I might just be dead. And he must have said, oh Lord, like Stephen, receive my spirit. But mercy put him in prison. And then in that prison, he continued. He was bearing fruit in every season. And that's how come they could bring him up and say, now, take this position. That's how God works it. That's how God works it. God takes through. Sometimes you go up, sometimes you come down. Sometimes you go up, sometimes. But those who wait upon the Lord, they shall do what? Mount up with wings as eagles. That's what it is. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. God watches over his word to perform it. But it is what he watches, not your wishes. He will fulfill his word. The process will go through. If you don't have this understanding, it will be difficult. But when you see that, ah, it's not me. I'm running in a race. See yourself in a divine marathon that they've been running. I want you to see Paul passing a baton to you. I want you to see Stephen passing a baton to you. The one that challenges me most, I don't know if I've told you here, is that these people were small boys. So the Bible says in Genesis 37 verse 2, where we started, the text we read on Sunday, Joseph was 17 years old. If we see a 17 year old now, he'll probably be playing computer game in church. Probably be struggling with the phone to be playing some games in church because he doesn't understand. Joseph was 17 years old. Daniel was probably younger. We don't know how old Esther was much young as well. And these people align themselves with divine purpose. Now the Bible says you and I can what? Do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So on Sunday we said Joseph did keep himself you know that word abide is just I don't know. He, he remained in the father's love. And you see it's such an important concept that we must grasp about the love the Father has for us. Because without that love, it won't be possible. Because no matter what we say about anybody, it's still through grace that everything is done. I hope we know that. It is through grace. So Joseph, the life of Joseph, we're studying, it's through grace. And that grace is shown to us when we read in Genesis 37 that the Father loved him more than all. But you know the Father loves all. But it's just that Joseph caught a revelation of the Father's love. The father loves, every father here loves the student. Just that you might express it or one might draw it out from you differently. It's not like in this church, you know we love everybody here. But if Tope comes to our house, he doesn't come from the front door. You know Dickin Tope? He comes from the kitchen. By the time you see him, he's eating something that he took from somewhere. He's the only person that can yab me anyhow. You know I mean? So in a sense, you might see pastor loves Tope more. But I love everybody equally. Praise the Lord. But he has a way of what? Drawing it out. So Joseph knew the grace that God had given to him. And he took advantage of that grace. The other brothers also knew their father loved him. I mean, there's no question. He's their father. They're his children. But there's a difference. There are two schools of thought 
the way people respond to the Father's love. And one school of thought is simple. People say, God loves me, so I can do whatever I want and get away with it. That's the group his brothers were in. God loves me. Have you heard people say that? God loves me. I mean, they may not say it out plainly, but in their minds, you see, the security of God's love is, you can do anything and get away with it. Well, I don't have much to say on that. But the only thing I can say about that is that anybody who does anything cannot be used by God. But the second group are the group who say, God loves me, so I strive to do only those things that are pleasing to him. Those are the people that take that scripture, Philippians 4.13. I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because they know God loves them. The Father loves them. So their heartbeat is to please the Father. The same love, different responses. The one that says, God loves me, I can do whatever I want to do, might be in a place of complete and total disillusionment. Because if you're truly a child of God, the nature of God is inside of you. And the nature of God changes what you desire. I told you here, a man wrote and said, believe, or, I think this is the way he put it. He said, love God and do whatever you want. And the man said, the reason I could say that is this. If you love God, you would only want to do what pleases God. I love my wife. I can do whatever I want. What do I want? I want to love her. I love God, so I can do whatever I want in a sense. What do I want to do? I want to love God. But if I say I love God and I can do whatever I want and I go stealing, beating, lying, fornicating, doing all kinds of things, then I'm lying from beginning. I've been issue. Because if I did love him, I would not want to do the things that break his heart. The Bible telling us about the Holy Spirit said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We've learned it here that grief is a word that is not used for people that are not close. If you don't have a relationship with someone, you can't grieve the person. It's only where there was love and closeness that there can be grieving. It's where there's, you know, affinity that there can be grieving. So tonight, as we round up, I want us to see that the secret Joseph leaves for us is live a life comprehending that you're part of a master plan. See yourself, you know, in thousands of years from now, sitting in heaven. And watching how your own life, how your own very life played out in the agenda of things, in the scheme of things. And look forward to being glad about it. Praise the Lord. Look forward to rejoicing in the role you played. I can imagine Joseph, we're studying him now. Then you can imagine Samson, we're studying him now. And Samson will look for Delilah. Delilah, I don't know where Delilah will be. I don't know if she made heaven or not. But if Samson looks at Delilah and you say, you, because of you, what will be what your missing purpose? I saw in Facebook recently a picture of the car Santana. How many of us know Santana? If you're less than if you're less than 40 years, you won't know it. Do you know Santana? Choir? Hey. The car Santana, hey, it caused problems. Oh. It, Santana, it's this Santana was such a car that it changed people's names. So if I bought a Santana, my name would be Ikena Santana. That's how the, I mean, okay, Santana, you know, John Santana, because it was a defining vehicle. Vibu tried a bit, but he didn't do as much as Santana. It's just the same way 504 did or 404, you know. It transformed, but I saw the picture of Santana. It looked like what a child in primary school used ruler to draw. I didn't understand the cake, I didn't know which one was back and front. I wish I had, I should. The back and front were just looking like rulers. But that was a car people did all kinds of things to get. Now, what in this world is worth? Is it private jet? What in this world is worth missing your path in preserving a posterity? When the story of the Nigerian church is told, are you going to say, I'm the pastor that had the richest congregation? Or are you going to say, I'm the pastor that raised that brother who stood in the gap, who heaven found to pass through? I'm the pastor that raised that sister who in her office was a witness for Jesus Christ. Or will it be that I had the largest, the biggest, the richest? That won't matter. It will matter today. Because, I mean, just like Solomon we read, three chapters. Three chapters. And Shekhar came from Egypt and took away everything. When I read that, I said, Lord, have mercy. 
Anything that can be lost is not worth it. Anything that can be lost. But you know what cannot be lost? Your testimony. Let's rise on our faith. It says by faith, what? The elders obtained what? A good testimony. Lord, let me run this race like Joseph did. Let me run this race and have a testimony. So that when the people come in, when my children, I want you to leave a married man here. Live so that when your children hear what their father did, their mother did, they will be pushed to run further and further. You're a businessman here. I want you to run this race. You're married. I want you to run this race so that in time to come, when the story is being told, they will say, this was a Christian. This was a Christian. When the time where, you know, people are just challenging church, Christianity, all of that. This is the time to shine. I'm telling you, this is the time to shine. This is the time that sanctification should be your prayer. Consecration should be your desire. No man should tell you that you are wanted now. Do you know that it's so easy to be a goldfish now? It's so easy. Stand out. And the beauty of it is that the anointing of God will help you. That scripture will come to your experience. I can do all things through Christ. Is it financial difficulty? Some of these things I'm saying, they appear almost impossible to some persons because of the nature of your job. But do you know that God still works miracles? They said, Iyanu can still what? Shelly. God still works miracles. The power of God will always back the one pursuing his agenda. It says, he whom he predestined, he also called. These ones he also justified. And the one he justified, he glorified. As long as you align yourself in that path, heaven will be backing you. Because why? You're playing on heaven's team. I want you to ask for grace to run this race. To be a preserver of posterity. We trust God for his provision. We actually thank God and desire that God will prosper us. But we are saying above all of that, Lord, put me in the number of preservers of posterity. Let the father's church be counted that this church, through this church, genuine Christianity made it through this time in this nation. Let it be said, through your life, through your business, that people encountered a Christian businessman, that people encountered a Christian civil servant, that people encountered a Christian teenager, that people encountered a Christian bride. Lord, help me, O Lord. I want you to make that prayer. Lord, help me. Let me be a witness to you. Let me run in the league of Joseph, in the league of Daniel's men and women that carry the torch, that carry the torch, that carry the torch. Lord, I need your anointing. You love me so much. The song we sang says, Jesus, you love me too much. Lord, you love me so much. I want to make you happy. I want to run this race with you. I want to be a witness. I want to satisfy you. I want to please you. I want to fulfill that purpose for which you have called me. You have laid your hands on me. Lord, I say yes to your will. I say yes to your way. I want you to thank God. He says in Ephesians 3, Now to him who is able to do exceeding, let my life give you glory. To him be glory by the church. You are the church. To him be glory. Lord, let this life give you glory. Let my story give you glory. Let someone is going through something here. Say, I will believe believe you. I will trust in you. I will wait it out. I will lift my eyes beyond the hills. My help comes from you who made heaven and earth. Lord, you will help me. You will help me. Send from above and help your son. Help your servant. The psalmist said in Psalm 23 verse 3, he said, you lead me in the path of righteousness. For your name's sake, I'm carrying the name of heaven. I'm carrying the name of Jesus. I am born again. I'm a bona fide child of Jesus. I will honor him. My life will honor you. Begin to thank him for grace is coming already. Mercy is coming already. We came to receive mercy. Someone came. It doesn't matter where you have missed it before now. There's a realignment of agenda. Heaven will re-enroll you. We'll wipe the yesterdays away. We'll clean up the slate and further plant you. And you become a vessel. Even the experiences of your past become part of what God will use. That's where we find men like Saul of Tarsus. What they went through, God turned it around and used it for his glory. Lord, I'm available to you. Lord, I am available. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Lord. I bless you, Lord, faithful God. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you, Lord. I bless you. I bless you. Lord, use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. I present my life. I present my situation. 
I present my calling. I present my career. I present my office. I present to Lord the burdens that I have. And I say, Lord, use me in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. There is a lifting up of the head. God is going to lift us up in the name of Jesus. I want us to take this prayer for Nigeria quickly before we just round up. Isaiah 62 verse 1 simply says, For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest. You see, I'm here in this time. I don't know about you, but I'm pained by the things that are happening both in our politics and even you know, concerning the church. God is faithful. God is almighty. I want us to pray that the glory of the Lord will rise upon this nation. That the knowledge of God will be known through this nation. That he will do things in our time. And people will say they are God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of the Christians had done great things. And as you pray that prayer, say, Lord, I'm available. Lord, I'm available. And use your saints all over. Use your church. Revive your church, oh Lord. Even this angst, uh, that this, this, this uh, uh, anger and you know, frustration against the church. Lord, turn things around, oh Lord. Let your power be seen. Let your wisdom be seen. Let your righteousness be seen. Let those who have fallen away, let them be restored by. Let people run. Let the mountains of the Lord's house, that's the promise of God, will be exalted above all mountains. Let the people flow to it. The promise we have is that men will hold on to our garments and say, take us to our God. They didn't say they will mock us. Lord, let that word come to fulfillment. By your anointing in our midst, by your anointing upon our life, Lord, mercy upon this nation. Arise, O Lord. Arise, arise, arise. Arise, O Lord. Let your power be seen. Let your glory be seen. Let your praise be declared over our nation and in my generation. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my God. And I pray for you, everyone here listening to me. Father, I want to bring your children before you. Lord, you have shown us here that anybody can prosper. Even fools prosper. These ones are not fools. Your spirit is in them. Lord, I pray that you open the windows of heaven and pour upon these your sons and daughters blessings, O Lord. Favor, Lord. Let their Lord fall for them in place and places. Let them experience, O Lord, your visitation, O Lord. Let their bands be filled up, O Lord. Let their baskets full up, O Lord. Let them be remembered from afar, O Lord. Let them be remembered near. In the name of Jesus Christ, the earth is yours and the fullness thereof. The silver and the gold belongs to you. Lord, we command your favor, your blessings upon your children. Lord, roll away the reproach of lack, O Lord, from your sons and daughters. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we give you praise because you are faithful to do it. Thank you, our Father. In Jesus Christ's name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.